Hey guys, welcome back to 8-Bit Archaeology. My name's Eric, and this week we're going to be digging into Pokemon Sun and Moon. Hey guys, welcome back to 8-Bit Archaeology, your source for all things game design, lore, and real-world inspiration. My name's Eric, and I love talking about video games. Uh, this is a show where I talk about game design and real-world influences on games that you may have played, you may not have played, but some of my favorites. So this week, we're actually going to be talking about Pokemon Sun and Moon. So, let's start with a brief introduction of the Pokemon franchise. For those of you that don't know anything about Pokemon, and if you don't, well, uh, the Pokemon franchise is basically something that's existed since 1998 in the States, launched with Pokemon Red and Blue, and then sub subsequently Yellow, and then, you know, they've kind of gone through every color iteration since then. Uh, the ones I'm going to be talking about today are, po are Pokemon Sun and Moon, which are the most uh, recent generation additions to the franchise. So, as all Pokemon games have a similar introduction process, Sun and Moon actually mixes is up a little bit. The archetype for the intro to these games is you're a kid in a new town and you're 10 years old and you're about to go off on a world traveling adventure with these monsters that you can carry around in your pocket. That's actually where the name Pokemon originated from was a, an abbreviation of pocket monsters. So typically at the start of a Pokemon game you attempt to walk out into the wilderness and are stopped by some professor who lives in your town. The professor then gives you your first starter Pokemon and you work your way through the region collecting what are called gym badges which is basically sort of of badges you get for, de for defeating strong trainers that will allow you to compete in the Pokemon League. From there on, you go to compete in the Pokemon League and try your hand at becoming the World Pokemon Champ. There's also usually a subplot, or well, it's it's intertwined with the main plot, but there's an evil team in each region as well that, you know, is attempting to take over the world or rip something through the space-time continuum or something using a legendary Pokemon. Now, most people know these premise of the Pokemon game, so I'm just giving a general overview for people who may not really have played one before. The ones I'm going to be talking about this week, though, sort of take that mixture or that recipe for the basic Pokemon games and turn it on its head a little bit. So you start off as a new kid in a new town in a new region, which the region is called Alola, which is heavily inspired by Hawaiian culture. And that's what the meat of this show is going to be about. And part of why I wanted to you do this game is because it's the most recent that people can recognize, right? So you start off your journey in Alola. And here, there aren't gym badges. There are what's called the Island Trials, and Alola is also in the process of establishing its own Pokemon League. So, this game was the first in a long time to mix up the formula for a Pokemon game pretty much in the in the franchise in terms of the main series games. And that's kind of where I want to start the discussion. And I also want to talk about mainly the region of Alola, because... When I say this place is inspired by Hawaii, it is dripping with real-world inspiration, atmosphere, and Pokemon that are inspired by real-world animals and objects that are from the culture. So before we dig into the meat of the game, I really want to take a minute and talk about Hawaii briefly. Hawaii is the 50th and most recent state in the United States, and it's also one of the most unique. It's composed of eight different islands and has one of the most diverse climates and locale that you can find anywhere in the United States. Everything from volcanoes to hot springs, and it's been a very popular tourist attraction for the last, you know, half a century or so. A lot of people go there because the climate is nice, the beaches are beautiful. So not only does Hawaii have one of the most diverse cultures and 
pools of places to go visit from the United States, but it also can be one of the most dangerous too. The climate is pretty volatile, it can change very quickly, and the state has been known to be hit by major storms, and it also has active and dormant volcanoes on its surface too. So Hawaii is sort of this, you know, remote region of the United States where people go to get away from the mainland, but at the same time they're going to a place that, you know, is dangerous in itself. You never know what's going to happen when you're there, but it's definitely one of the most sought-after vacation spots in the world, and it's a place I personally want to go to as well. I have not been there, but just from the depictions of Hawaii in mainstream media and movies like, you know, Lilo and Stitch and other movies that take place in Hawaii, they paint it as a pretty picturesque and calm place, someplace you can go to center yourself. Now, that's kind of what we'll get into talking about later is, you know, how does that media image of Hawaii compare to the actual state itself? and how it's depicted versus actual life there. And is there sort of a stigma from an outside perspective's view on how that state is viewed? So let's dig into the meat of the game and see what we can pull from it that actually came from our 50th state. So as in any mainline Pokemon game, the cast of characters is pretty key to shaping your perceptions of the world around you, the culture of the region, and how you're going to pursue your Pokemon career. So what I want to do is talk about the human characters briefly, because the, the meat of this section is going to have more to do with the design of the Pokemon and what's kind of taken real-world inspiration. So let's start with the main character, right? The main character is essentially a blank slate. You're a 10-year-old kid who just moved from Kanto, to Alola, and you move there with your mom, and essentially you're starting out the island trial with no knowledge of Alola, and it, it kind of takes you on a journey through Alola while you're completing your trials, right? Which in a way is sort of like taking a trip in itself in a foreign region. So what I'm trying to get across is the fact that like the, the player here is usually fr framed to be something that we can project our own experiences onto, right? We, we are the character. In fact, it goes so far as being able to customize your character by, you know, gender, skin tone, hair color, eye color, I think too, and you get outfits along the way too. So your interface for this world or your character or trainer becomes a reflection of yourself in this world. So you're being taken, you as the player are being taken on a journey through Alola to not only complete your island trials, but to also experience the region itself. And that's an interesting thing to think about because in a game that was primarily depicted with 2D pixels for the you know, majority of the past two decades, moving to 3D is really a big step and you have to actually do some more world building because not everything is just flat pixels on a surface, right? Now you need something to amaze your players and you need something visually striking and that feels like a place because that's what people latch onto when they have a character who's a blank slate, like the main trainer character. So let's go briefly through our cast of more minor characters that play a big part in the plot, right? So first off, you have the professor of the region whose name is Professor Kukui. Uh, professor Kukui is the one who takes you through the steps to get your first Pokemon, and he also happens to be named after a tree in similar fashion to other Pokemon professors from other generations. Kukui is actually the state tree of Hawaii. So there's, there's something you pull from directly right there. Um, now, Alola is broken up into four islands, and each island has a main ruler that's called a kahuna. Now, kahuna is also something that directly comes from Hawaiian culture. Now, it's, it's a title that essentially means a master of something, and it can have some... It also has some religious undertones and some class to go with it, but essentially it can be boiled down to big boss. And, you know, and I'm saying that in air quotes. 
it means someone with a high status, right? And that's what the kahunas are treated as. The kahunas are the leaders of these islands, and you've got four of them in the game. And these four essentially act as the leaders of the region. Uh, you have to go through and fight them on your journey, and that stands as part of your island trial. It's part of the rite of passage to conquering the island trials. So along with the kahunas as well, we also have, well, this is where it starts to divulge from, this is more just covering material in the game than it is Hawaiian culture because these guys are pretty central to the plot. You've got the Aether Foundation, and they're actually a pretty technologically advanced company that are dedicated to, in air quotes, helping Pokemon and researching Pokemon. They end up, you know, spoiler alert, they end up being the villains of the game. And what's interesting about them is the fact that their home base is on an artificial island that's in the middle of the Alolan Ocean. So you've got this weird dichotomy of four natural islands and then one artificial one. And the artificial one is stark white. And it contrasts everything else that has to do with Alola. These guys all wear white uniforms and everything is sterile and cold. Whereas the rest of Alola feels colorful and vibrant and warm. So it's an interesting dichotomy because it sort of paints them as these, like, saintly people who are helping Pokemon for, you know, the beginning parts of the game, but they actually end up being, you know, a source of evil in the main plot of the game. So while on your journey, you're accompanied by numerous human companions, we also need to take a really good look at the creatures that assist you in becoming the best trainer around and passing the island trials, and that's the Pokemon themselves. Now, the way the people of the Alola region view Pokemon is they are part of the life of the island and part of the ecosystem. In a lot of other regions, it can feel like the Pokemon are just sort of wild animals that are wandering about, but in Alola they actually feel, you know, essential and critical to the way that the ecosystem of the island works. And there's a lot of Pokemon that have been inspired by Hawaiian culture and even Hawaiian objects because, you know, there's a trend among Pokemon games to design Pokemon off of inanimate objects. So I want to go through a few of the predominant ones because to go through all, I think it's, there were 70 or 80 new Pokemon introduced in this region. To go through all of them is a bit strenuous and also I want to give highlights, but then I also want to talk mainly about the new Alolan forms of Generation 1 Pokemon and kind of how that plays off of the player's nostalgia and a reference point that they already have in their lexicon. So the first key Pokemon to tap into are the, the guardian spirits that guard each of the islands of Alola, right? So there are four islands in Alola and each island has its own guardian Pokemon. They're referred to as the Tapus. These are Tapu Coco, Tapu Bulu, Tapu Finny, and Tapu Lele, I believe. Now that's in no specific order at all, but each one of them resides over one of the four islands. And essentially the design of these Pokemon is very, aesthetically it's something very tribal and they all have a color that's rooted in their design that corresponds to the translation of the name of the island that they are inhabiting. So, for instance, Tapu Koko's scheme relies heavily on the color yellow, and that's because he resides over Mele Mele Island. Now, Mele Mele Island, the name Mele Mele is translated from Hawaiian, it means yellow. So, the theme for that entire island is yellow. And this also goes for Tapu Fini, Tapu Bully, and uh, Tapu Lele. They each refer or relate back to the color scheme that's the translation of that island's name. So along with the Guardian Spirit Pokemon for each island, there's also a number that relate back to the fauna, the fauna of Hawaii itself. So I want to go through 
some of the Pokemon that were pretty heavily inspired by, you know, the beach region, the the lore, and living fauna of the land. So the first one I want to touch on is Komo-O. So Komo-O is the fully evolved form of Jangmo-O. It's a fighting dragon type, and it puts a heavy emphasis on this sort of clanging scales move that it has. Now, Komo-O is inspired by kimono dragons obviously but also a lot by warrior culture so like traditional tribal warriors so it kind of takes those things together and blends them uh puku muku which that's a really tough name to try and say five times fast um is actually a sea cucumber pokemon um it's based on a certain type of sea slug that's found in hawaii called the sea bunny and i, I think that one's really funny one that's really special is oracorio and so what that is is it's a dancing bird pokemon that has a constant flying type but it's secondary type varies based on the island that it's in. The secondary type relates to the color of that island. So I was saying before how the four different islands have colors associated with them, which are yellow, red, purple, and pink. So the four forms of Oracorio all have a secondary typing that relates to that being electric, fire, psychic, and ghost. And those all relate back to the island colors, which I think is pretty interesting because it brings a level of coordination to the design that the birds have in a way that, you know, relates back to the color of the island, but it also creates some diverse form of Pokemon across one region. One important thing to talk about Oracorio too is the fact that each of these different forms have a different aesthetic to them. So they're each a different type of dancer, essentially. So, you know, the yellow Oracorio is a cheerleader. The red one is a flamenco dancer. The ghost one is a... It's doing some type of uh, traditional Japanese dance. Um, I don't know the exact name. And then the pink one is actually doing a hula dance. So it's actually pretty cool that there are four different types of it, but also four different dances that are represented. And while only one of those may relate directly back to Hawaii. It's still pretty cool to have uh, the sort of, you know, dichotomy of different dancing Pokemon that relate to the theming of each island. So aside from the dancing birds, there are also a number of more uh, subtly designed Pokemon that make reference to native life in Hawaii. So even when you're picking your starter Pokemon, Pokemon like Rowlet is based off of a Hawaiian owl, and Poplio is based off a Hawaiian monk seal. So there are subtle Pokemon that are thrown in there that seem like they're just, you know, the generic designing based off of a real-world animal, but they're actually callback to actual animals found in Hawaii. One instance that I find really interesting is uh, Young Goose and Alolan Radic. So Young Goose is based off of an Asian mongoose, which similar, and they acknowledge this in the Pokemon games, Young Goose was brought in to help quell the, like, radicate infestation of Alola, which is actually based on a real-world problem that these Asian mongoose were brought into Hawaii to help take care of the rat population. So it's actually kind of interesting that they took something as abstract or as, like, isolated as that and work it into the ecosystem of the game right so they're they're doing a pretty good job of faithfully i don't want to say faithfully recreating but creating their own ecosystem that's rooted in something that has real world inspiration so the other large part of the pokemon population that i wanted to talk about was the alolan forms so the alolan forms are a concept that were introduced first in this generation and what it is essentially is game freak took generation one pokemon and redesigned them or tweaked their typing or something to 
to, to make a regional version of them in Alola. So I think there's about eight or nine regional variations uh, in total, and they're all based on Gen 1 Pokemon. The ones that I wanted to talk about primarily are like Al- Alolan Marowak, um, Alolan Dugtrio, and Alolan Executor, because those ones, their regional variant becomes a reference to something in Hawaiian culture or beach culture or something like that. So Alolan Marowak, originally a ground type, becomes Ghost and Fire, you know, that typing that it should have had back in Gen 1 because of the dark origins of Marowak, but then they also root the design of it in a fire dancer, which is pretty fantastic. Alolan Dugtrio get, becomes a ground steel type, and each of the heads gets a full head of hair, but it's like surfer hair, which is pretty funny. But I think the one that is the iconic one that we love the most is, or at least I love the most, is Alone and Executor. And I know that that's been done to death meme-wise, but the fact that they took, you know, Executor, made it a dragon type, and then turned it into a giant palm tree is pretty fantastic because... It just takes something that was old and stale and that maybe people didn't like looking at and gives it like a new, you know, for lack of a better term, fresh coat of paint, but it also comes with new abilities in the game as well. So it's it's like adding variety to a set of Pokemon that you already had, and I think it's good too because it gets people who love the original generation interested because there's something in this region already that they love that or that there's a new variation on it. And then it also gets people who don't know about the first generation of Pokemon uh, some knowledge to that. Like they get to see some generation one Pokemon and they might be interested to go back and look at how these Pokemon were when they were originally conceived and, you know, what luxuries the designers took in adapting them for a new region. So I also briefly want to talk about a Pokemon that probably a lot of people love but don't love the concept of, and that's uh, inanimate object Pokemon. So there's been complaints over the last few generations that Game Freak is running out of creativity and basing Pokemon on inanimate objects and that it's lazy. I mean, I I don't know. I I don't have a strong opinion either way. It depends on the Pokemon, really, but I do really love this one. One that they threw into this gen, which is Comfy. Which Comfy, if you don't know, if you don't know what that Pokemon is aesthetically, it's it's a flower necklace that is alive and it heals people. Now, Comfy is based on a traditional Hawaiian lei, which is something that's put on, you know, given to tourists when they land in Hawaii. So it's kind of interesting that they took this like symbol of welcome to the island and turned it into a Pokemon that heals people. Like, what's more friendly than that, right? Say what you want about Game Freaks creativity over time. I think it's like some nods like that that make their games really strong and hospitable and like prove that they can still take something like inanimate objects and make kind of cool Pokemon out of them. So when we talk about games like Pokemon, it's really important to look at the world building that's happening in the region, right? So typically, Game Freak takes a region, distills it down to its core elements, and makes a Pokemon version of that. This started becoming extremely obvious a few generations back, uh, primarily with Unova being based on America, the sixth generation is based on France, and then, you know, now Alola is based on Hawaii. So when you're looking at regions and how what they take and distill down and present to someone who A, who lives in that region, or B, has never been there, is pretty interesting because it becomes a different method of communication, right? You need to be able to communicate the essence of a place to someone who's never been there, but also remain faithful to what someone who either lives there or has been there knows. So when we look at the region of Alola, it's really important to look at what was taken from Hawaii and is kind of translated into a new medium, right? So Hawaii has eight islands, Alola has four organic ones. And we're going to go through them kind of briefly here and touch on, you know, what they took from 
real world places and translated into a place in the game. So let's start with Mele Mele Island. Mele Mele Island is based on the island of Oahu, and there are several different locations throughout it that are from real world places. And also, it's important to note that all the names of the island are the Hawaiian word for a color. So Mele Mele Island is based on the color yellow. So let's kind of go through some of the places that are inspired by real world uh, places. So uh, Haoli Cemetery is based on the Honolulu Cemetery. Uh, Ten Carat Hill is based on the diamond crater on the island. Haoli City, which is kind of the largest city on Mele Mele Island, is heavily inspired by places from Hawaii, like Haonuma Bay, Waikiki Beach, um, the, Ala, the, the Ala Moana Shopping District, and several other places. They kind of put these all together to create one town that's more um, succinct, but there's a lot of places to work from there. And that only continues with the other islands too. So let's go through briefly some of the other places on the other islands that also have real-world counterpoints. And, I, and I'm going to go through them briefly because there's so many that it's not worth getting into all of them in super detail. But it's more you know hitting the points on each island that are reflected in the real world and kind of how those create an atmosphere for people who have been there and haven't been there. So... Uh, let's go to Pony Island next. Pony is the color purple in Hawaiian, so the theme for that island is purple. It's based on the island Kaui and has a couple different locations that are based on the island Kaui. So Vast Pony Canyon, uh, the Black Sand Beach, and the Life Tree are all things that are inspired by real world locations. Now, Akala Island is based on the island Maui and the translation of Maui is pink, so the color for the island is pink. Um, places like Paniola Ranch and the Volcano Park have real-world locations that correspond with them. And then lastly, Ula Ula Island, which is based on the big island of Hawaii, and the color for that is red. That's why Tapu Bulu has red in him, and the Orokoria is a firebird. Um, places like the Hakulani Observatory and the Haina Desert all have real-world corresponding locations on the island of Hawaii. Now, I think... On Akala Island, the volcano park there, that's based on something that's from another island, not Maui. But for the most part, they, they took actual places on these islands and translated them into the corresponding island on the game, which is pretty incredible because you're, you're taking a large ecosystem and taking its, you know, distilling it down to essential design elements and what that experience is and turning it into sort of a contained zone. So how do you take how do you take a, a large, expansive, real-world location, distill it down to its experience, and communicate that to a player who is experiencing this region for the first time when they play the game? And how does that translate, right? Because they can they can take that source material and do whatever they want with it. Are they trying to recreate it faithfully, or is it something that they're trying to make their own? And that's something that I think a lot of players have to draw like draw their own opinion on that. And in, in in my opinion, I think the the sheer number of places that they translated into in-game locations is kind of astounding because it means they thoroughly combed through these islands, picked, okay, these places were essential to experience, let's put them in the game and let's build a world around it. And making decisions like that is really tough because when you do that, you're investing time and effort into designing a place based on a real-world location and attempting to recreate an experience, and doing that is not an easy undertaking at all. I also want to touch briefly on sort of the design style of the game. Now, typically Pokemon has been done in a 2D pixel style, and this is like the second generation that they brought to 3D, and they sort of stylized the world in a certain way that kind of frames this region through a certain window that I want to talk about more in the wrap-up, but it essentially is turning it into sort of a tourist version of Hawaii, 
right? So um, things like the trainer passport are something that are given to tourists in Hawaii that they can stamp off for places they've been. Or even the user interface is very stylized to look sort of tribal and beachy and things that hark back to what people visually associate with Hawaii, right? So from the research I've done, I found that the visual style of the hey, uh, the visual style of the game draws from the heyday of Japanese tourism in Hawaii from a few decades ago. So things like the fonts, the colors, and the cities even reflect that too, because there's no really tall skyscrapers in Aloha. They're all sort of smaller, contained villages or small cities, but none, none of them have high-rise towers. It's things like that that kind of you know, make me see how this game was designed by someone not from the region, which is not a bad thing because it's it's a new take on a place that's existing, right? And you're still giving someone a taste of what is in that real world location. It's also important to note that this is also an example of creating definable points for people to put their suspension and disbelief on, right? When you're doing world building, it helps a lot if you're basing it off something that's realistic so people have a point of reference in their mind for the place that they're experiencing. And the fact that Alola is dripping with real-world locations that are inspired by Hawaii, it, it automatically gives people something to hang their hat on when they're going to this region and being like, okay, I can see how this was translated from a real-world place, but they get to experience it in a way that's been catered for a player. So to sort of bookend this entire conversation about taking a region like Hawaii and turning it into an in-game region, I want to talk about sort of how how the game is framed and how someone from that real-world place may interpret it, right? So as I was talking about before, the game from the perspective of someone who has lived in Hawaii, and I've read a few pieces about this and sort of done a bit more research about how they've made the realm made the region perceived versus how it actually is is you know like a like i was saying before the way alola is presented in the games is sort of a best of hit of hawaii it's sort of a, a tourist view of it it's you go through all the greatest hits right like you visit and you hit spot after spot after spot after spot and from what i found based on you know from the perspective of someone who's lived there it's more of a visitor's perspective which in a way is also translated in the game because your character is brand new to this region and that's made pretty clear right they don't know anything about the island trial they don't know anything about the pokemon that live there they don't know anything about how the ecosystem of the island works instead you're taken through this journey of place to place to place to place trial to trial to trial and you're experiencing the entire ecosystem of the islands at the same time now i I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing or not. I think it depends on whether you value being genuine in how you convey things or if it's more a matter of it's based on an experience someone had visiting the islands, which is what I think the answer is. I think the answer is is that this is based on the experience of someone visiting the islands for a first time and getting to discover all these fantastic places. But the fact that Alola is still dripping with life and color and all these great things that bring it all together in my eyes is pretty fantastic um i think you know i think distilling it down to being a visitor's experience isn't doing it justice because i think the world crafting in this game is very well done i think they do a really good job of communicating to the player how everything in a lola sort of works together and lives together and coexists in a really like beautiful way and i think it crafts a really great player experience because there's so many different locales like the fact that they took 
you know, upwards of 10 to 15 real world locations and put them into these four islands is pretty insane. And conveying that sort of visitor's experience to a player who's never been there before is pretty fantastic. Being able to sit down, play this game, go through this region, experience the people, the culture, the Pokemon, and the things that all come together to make it one sort of living thing is pretty fantastic. So this game is one of my favorite Pokemon games. Uh, I don't know if it's my favorite favorite, but I think this one is the one that's taken the most steps in building a world that is living and can communicate to the player what a certain place or experience can be like. Now, everyone's experience is going to vary, but if this is a game you haven't checked out and you are at all interested in the Pokemon games, I think it's a really great entry point because they're only going to go up from here and the games are already pretty accessible and everyone everyone knows what Pokemon is, right? But if maybe if you've taken an absence from the series too, this is a great point to jump back in because this world is so well-crafted and just so beautiful to go through that I think it's something every Pokemon fan owes it to themselves to try. Okay guys, that's where we're going to end today's show. If you like what you listen to, go subscribe, rate me on iTunes, follow me on Twitter, and send me some feedback on the website if you want. Uh, thank you for listening, and tune in next time. Thanks. Thanks.